welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through Galatians 5, verse 25. With the battle waging within us between the flesh and the spirit, we must decide our allegiance. One compelling reason should motivate us to align with the spirit. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Let's pick it up in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Today we're gonna start a new series entitled In Step. And the foundational passage is gonna be here, verse 25, that says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So for the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about and focus on this verse and the concept of what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, Today I'm just gonna introduce the topic, kinda lay some foundation and some groundwork And then starting next week, we'll deal with more specific aspects of what that means. Galatians has six chapters, and in those six chapters, Paul mentions the Spirit 17 times. So it's obvious he's trying to communicate something in regard to to living in the Spirit. The Greek word is pneuma, which can mean breath of God, life of God. It can mean the wind. In essence, the Spirit, or pneuma, is the presence and the power of God in the believer's life. That's who the Spirit is, the presence and the power of God in the believer's life. Now, because he's pneuma, the wind, uh, there's this, this, the wind blows, it goes where it blows. There's, There's this aspect to the Spirit that's very mystic, very mysterious, uh, very supernatural. It's like the wind, Uh, he's hard to trace. He's hard to understand at times. He's hard to, 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 put a, to put a handle on because there's this supernatural, spiritual, mysterious aspect to the Holy Spirit. And tied with that is the role of the Spirit and the different things that the Spirit does in us. In this series, we're not going to deal with that aspect of the Spirit. All right. Instead, we're going to try to hold true to verse 25, and we're going to deal with this concept of keeping in step with the Spirit. In other words, the very practical application of being in the Spirit. So you've got this, this, this real supernatural, mysterious aspect, and we'll talk about that some, but then you have this very practical application dynamic of being in the Spirit. That's what we're going to deal more with in this series. Some of your translations of verse 25 may say, let us walk in the Spirit, or by the Spirit, let us walk. And that's the idea of this day-to-day practical application. That's really where we're headed in this series. Verse 25 is kind of a two-step concept here, kind of a two-step principle. The first principle is in that first phrase, since we live by the Spirit. Paul's starting with an assumption, and that is as believers, we have the Holy Spirit, 
And that is the truth, because when we give our life to Christ, when we say yes to the sacrifice of Christ, invite him into our life, we receive the Spirit at that point. That's who fills us and comes into us. Romans 8 tells us that if we do not have the Spirit, then we do not belong to Christ. So there's no way to belong to Christ without having the Spirit. So that's what the assumption that Paul's making here is since you live by the Spirit, since you're a believer, since the, believer, since the Spirit lives inside of you, then he takes a second step. He says, you have the Spirit, but then he's gonna come to this aspect of there's an outworking that has to take place. In other words, us demonstrating this Spirit life doesn't just come naturally. There are some things that we have to do so that the Spirit that's within us can be manifest from without us. So step one is to live by the Spirit and then he goes to step two when he says, keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, there are some practical things that I have to do for this Spirit life to be manifest in me. The more literal translation of this, of this phrase would say, let us go on walking in the Spirit. It's in a present tense. We could say, keep on keeping in step with the Spirit because it's a continual pattern. So we're gonna be talking about some ongoing continual patterns and practices and processes to allowing the Spirit to be manifest in us and through us. So I'd like to deal with two questions this morning as we just lay a foundation. The first question is, how do we keep in step with the Spirit? What does it mean? What does it really mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Let me say first what it doesn't mean. What it does not mean is to keep step with. There's a, there's a big difference in these two concepts, keeping step with the Spirit versus keeping in step with the Spirit. So let me give you some illustrations of what it's not. Familiar with this game, Simon? This is a game of where you just, you, you copy. It'll play a tone and flash the light. And then, I didn't even see what it did. And as you get it correct, you follow it, you copycat it, and as long as you get it correct, it continues to build on this sequence. But if you don't get it right on one of these sequences, game over, you lose. So there's this ability that you have to have to remember and to repeat this ever-growing sequence of sounds and flashing lights. And if you can't do it, then you lose. Similarly, when I was in college, I took a, a music theory class, and in that class, the professor would play a melody on the piano, and we couldn't see it, but we had then to repeat that melody back on the piano and play the same notes. We had to remember that and then repeat it after him. When in basketball, we did a similar thing too. It's at the game of horse, if you're not real sure what horse is in basketball, somebody shoots and if you make it, then the next person has to shoot from that same spot. And if they make it, the next person has to shoot. But if that person misses it, you get a letter and you don't wanna get a letter. So while we were playing, there would be times that we'd wanna make it even harder and more complicated. So we would say, okay, you have to swish it. You can't hit the rim. So if you swish it, the next person has to come. But if, even if they make it, if they hit the rim, they get a letter. Sometimes we'd make it even more complicated and we'd do a trick shot. We'd say, okay, 
off the floor, off the backboard, into the net. And so if you could do it and make it, then the next person couldn't just make it. They had to follow the exact pattern and make it just like you shot it. Now, in all of these cases, what we're talking about is what I'll call a self-empowered copycat practice. All that is self-empowered copycat practice. In other words, I'm seeing something being done and then in my own ability and in my own power, I'm gonna do exactly what I just saw. If we translate this spiritually now to in step with the spirit, keeping step with would be like this. We know what the spirit is supposed to do, is supposed to be in scripture. So the spirit does X. Okay, I know the spirit does X, so I'm gonna remember that and I'm going to try to copy that and I'm gonna try to do what the spirit says I'm supposed to do in my own power and in my own strength and I'm, I'm gonna copycat by my self-empowerment. That's keeping step with. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. So what does that look like? Let me give you two illustrations, two word pictures, and they come together. Both of these join together. Give us the image of what it means to keep in step. The first illustration is that of a marching band or a dance team. If you watch them, you know that they're all in sync together. In a dance team, they're all dancing together. They're doing the, 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 the same pattern together. In a marching band, they're all in sync together. A couple of things uh, are clear when you see that image. One, it's very obvious if someone's not in sync. If all the dancers are supposed to be doing the same thing and one person's out there doing whatever, it's very obvious. In a marching band, if everybody's marching west and one guy starts marching each, east, you know, something's weird. So it becomes really obvious very quickly if you're not in sync. Secondly, it takes a long time to get in sync. These marching bands and these dance teams, man, they practice for hours and hours and hours and hours trying to get together to where they are in perfect sync with one another. But thirdly, to get out of sync can happen pretty quickly. If these teams don't work together for a couple of weeks, all of a sudden they get back together and it's, you know, they're not quite in sync. The same is true spiritually as we talk about keeping in step with the Spirit. One word picture is being in sync with the Spirit to where we're moving together as a unit. Now, put on top of that illustration, being in sync, this second illustration. I'm sure most of you have probably done this with your children, maybe even your grandchildren. I did it with both of our boys. I've done it with a few of our grandkids already. But it's the deal that, that the child comes on top of your feet and you hold the child and the child is on your feet and then you start walking. And so you're, the child's on you and you're walking with the child and the child's walking, but the child's walking on your feet, okay? I'm sure all of you have done that. See, so here's the image from the child's perspective. Let's say, it, let's say it's with me and I'm walking with my grandchild. What's happening here is I'm in control. All the power of walking is coming from me. Now the child's walking, the child's walking under my power. And the child is walking under my direction. I choose which direction I want to go. The child's also walking under my timing. I'm going to choose when I want to start walking. So in essence, the child has submitted to my timing, to my direction, and to my power. 
So when and where and how we go, the child is just on the feet saying, okay, let's go. Now, at any point, the child can determine, I wanna walk by myself. They can hop off the feet and they can go do their own thing. The same is true now spiritually. What it means to keep in step with the Spirit is in essence, I have climbed onto the Spirit's feet, but I have yielded myself to the Spirit's control. I've yielded myself to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the timing of the Holy Spirit, to the direction of the Holy Spirit. I'm living the Christian life, but I am living it under the power and the influence of the Spirit of God. And at the same time, I have to resist the urge to jump off of the feet and do it my own way. See, at any point in my walk with Christ, I can make the decision, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna do it in my timing. I'm gonna do it how I wanna do it. I wanna live the way I wanna live. I don't care what scripture says. I don't care what the Spirit's saying. At any point, I can do that. But keeping in step with the Spirit says I'm gonna resist that urge and I'm gonna stay in sync with the Spirit under his timing, direction, and power. So here's the first definition I'll give you about what it means to be in step with the Spirit. It's moving in sync with the Spirit under the control and power of the Spirit. It's moving in sync with the Spirit under the control and the power of the Spirit. Let me say it a different way. Let me say the same thing with a different word picture. Maybe that will connect with you. Keeping in step with the Spirit is also this. One, staying connected to the Spirit. In Paul's day... Um, many battles were not fought the way they're fought today. Uh, in the Roman world, some of their battles would be fought where the, the, the Roman army would move together in one unit. They would be kind of synced together and in one massive unit, they would come toward the enemy. So they moved together in sync. And some of their uh, shields were made in such a way where the shields could lock together and they could connect so they would form this huge line, this huge wall of shields all connected together. The soldiers are behind the shields. And so now they advance toward the enemy with this huge wall of shields. So not only are they protected from the shields, but it was an intimidating sight for the enemy to be looking down at this huge Roman army. And in one massive move, here comes this army together. Now, if one of the soldiers broke ranks and started doing their own thing, not only are they in danger, but they begin to endanger their fellow soldiers. Now, what's interesting about this way of, of fighting is it, it is totally unnatural. It goes against every instinct when you go into battle because you wanna take care of yourself. You wanna fight for yourself. You're, you, so this, this moving together fights against some natural tendencies that we have. But this is part of the word picture now in keeping in step with the Spirit. It's as if we are linked together and we are locked together and we are connected and we move together as one unit. The problem with that is that's not natural. <laughs> that fights against everything that is within us in our flesh. Now tie that with the second word picture and that's to stay dependent on the spirit. We stay connected to him and dependent upon him. In Galatians chapter three, verse three, 
Paul says, he's talking to the Galatian believers. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Here's the context. Some of the, some of the Galatian believers were pagans, Gentiles. Some of them were Jews that came. And this actual party is talking more to the Jews because these that were Jews, before they accepted Christ, they're, they're living as a Jew. So they're living to observe the law. And they think to be right with God and to attain righteousness is gonna be by observing the law. But they received Christ, and so they moved now to grace and faith, and now I'm walking in grace, and I'm living dependent upon the Spirit, and they're walking in the Spirit, and that's what he's saying here. After beginning with the Spirit, in other words, you got it, and now you're, you're walking in the Spirit, but all of a sudden, something happened to get you back toward human effort. What's happening in the context is those that were still Jews that hadn't received Christ, some of them had, but they were Judaizers that are saying, ah, oh, that... You know, Christ, yes, but you still have to observe the law. And if you want to be righteous, you still have to do all of the Jewish law. And so some of these Galatians are shifting. And instead of relying and depending on the Spirit, they're now shifting back to depending upon observing the law and their own human effort to be satisfied. In this Verse, though, he, he shares an interesting word. It's the word goal. He says, you're now trying to attain your goal by human effort. It made me think about this concept of goal. That word means uh, the end game, the finish line, what you're striving for, your, your purpose, what the end result over here, what you want to happen, what's your goal? And I think part of what Paul communicates here is if your goal in life, if the ultimate thing you're striving for is to be a good person, uh, to make some good decisions, to do more good things than bad things, um, if it's to be famous, if it's to be wealthy, uh, if it's just to say, hey, I'm just gonna have a good time and enjoy myself, if that's your goal, if that's your end game, what he's saying is, hey, you don't need the spirit to do that. Just go have at it. But if your goal is to spend eternity with God, if your goal is to please God today, if your goal is to fulfill God's plan and purpose in your life, if your goal is to impact people for the kingdom, if your goal is this prayer that I've invited you to pray the last couple of weeks, if your goal is to know God and to walk with God and to be like him and to be used by him, if that's your goal, you can't do that apart from the spirit of God. It won't happen. And that's what he's trying to say here. You got it initially, but you have to keep walking it. You have to stay dependent. So here's a second definition of what it means to be in step. Remember the first one was moving in sync with the Spirit under the control and power of the Spirit. Here's the second one. It's staying connected to and dependent upon the Spirit. Staying connected to and dependent upon the Spirit. Saying the same thing, just saying it a little differently. But here's the, here's the problem. This does not come naturally. Look in verse 17. It says, the sinful nature, the fleshly nature, desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And they are in conflict with one another. There's this battle going on. There's this struggle going on inside of us and the flesh is contrary to the spirit. So what he's saying is you have to make a decision. 
that I'm either going to keep step with my flesh or I'm gonna keep in step with the spirit. I'm either gonna stay on the feet or I'm gonna jump off and do my own thing because it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. So it goes against some of our natural tendencies. But that's what it means. That's what it means. Here's a second question. And that is, why should I want to keep in step with the Spirit? I mean, to me, if we're going to start a series with this, one of the best questions is to ask why. <laughs> why should I want to do that? Well, look over in Galatians chapter 6. He gives us a little insight, starting in verse 7. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Why should we keep in step with the Spirit? Very simply, because you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, this is an agricultural term, agricultural perspective, that you reap what you sow. You can't sow corn and reap potatoes. You can only reap what you sow. So verse seven, he says, don't be deceived. That, that word means don't, be, don't believe the lie. Don't get tricked. Don't be led astray. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. That word means to, to laugh at, to tease, to make fun of. In other words, it's looking at God and say, ha, God, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no clue what's going on. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. And he says, a man reaps what he sows. What he's trying to say is don't believe the lie that you can do whatever you want to do and it's okay. Because God's word has given us a pattern and a strategy and a lifestyle to live. And he's saying, you're gonna reap what you sow because his word is truth and he is truth. Verse eight ties it in and says, if you sow flesh, you're gonna reap destruction. If you sow the spirit, you're gonna reap eternal life. In other words, there's two distinct directions that you're gonna go, we'll deal with this a little bit more probably in a couple of weeks, but it's, here's the word picture. Let's say you're at that proverbial fork in the road and you have a decision to make. I wanna live according to my own flesh. And, and by the way, when we say flesh, that doesn't mean dis despicable, disgraceful sin all the time. It can be that, but it can just be my way. I, I'm doing it my way, okay? It can be either one. So I have a decision to make. I'm gonna sow flesh or I'm gonna sow the spirit. If I make a decision to sow the flesh and go this direction, what he's saying is, as I begin to go this direction, the end result is going to be destruction. It's going to be disaster. It's not going to end well. Or I can make the choice to sow the spirit and go the, the direction of the spirit and I'm going to reap eternal life. It's gonna take me in two different directions. In other words, if I link myself with my flesh, then I will suffer the consequences of that choice. But if I link myself with the spirit, I will experience the rewards of that choice. That's what he's saying here. But there's a problem with this concept if you really think through it and just, just think of life, your life, others' life. 
that confuses this sometimes, and that is, it doesn't always look like that's true, does it? Because I know in my own life, I know as I talk to others and look at others, there are times when you see people who are seeking to walk with Christ, seeking to live by the Spirit, they're seeking to do everything that God's called them to do, and man, everything's just falling apart. Their health is bad, children are having issues, or having fun, what, I mean, it's just pile on, pile on, pile on. It looks like, man, I'm trying to walk with Christ, but all this stuff is happening. But then you look at other people who are sowing the flesh and doing whatever they want to and don't even claim Christ, and man, they have plenty of money, they have plenty of health, they have good, I mean, you look at them and you're thinking, man, everything's going their way. And so it, you look like, you read this and you say, you reap what you sow, and sometimes the question is, really? That doesn't look like that in my life right now. Well, Paul addresses that in verse nine. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. And by that doing good, it's, it's more of walking with the spirit. Don't bail out in spirit living. Don't bail out on what this is talking about. Why? Because at the proper time, you will reap what you sow if you don't quit. If you don't bail out, you will reap what you sow. Now, this is contextual, again, in, in uh, the first century with the Galatians. You have to remember that some of these Galatians were pagans. Some of them were Jews. Some of them were, had everything they wanted. They came to Christ but once they came to Christ, for many of them, they started suffering persecution. Some that were Jews that came into Christ, they're suffering, suffering persecution now from these other Jews. The pagans that came to Christ, they're suffering persecution from their other pagan friends saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you? They're making fun of them and teasing them. Why would you want to do this stuff? So they're receiving that persecution. At the same time, Christians are being persecuted by the Roman government. Some of them lost their jobs. Some of them lost their friends. Some of them couldn't keep a job because other people would say, they're a Christian, don't do business with them. So all this stuff, once they gave their life to Christ, for a lot of them, persecution and trouble came upon them. And so it's easy for them to say, hey, this spirit living isn't working. <laughs> I've given myself to Christ and I've tr I'm, I'm trying to walk in the spirit and everything is just piling on me. And so it'd be easy for them to bail out. That's why Paul's writing this. He says, don't bail out because here's the principle. You will reap what you sow, but you don't reap immediately after you sow. There's another agricultural principle here. A farmer doesn't sow on Monday morning and reap the next Tuesday morning. There's a period of time from the sowing to the reaping. And the problem that can develop in our heart and in our life is we can get weary in seeking to walk with the Spirit because when difficulties come, we, we want to say, what's wrong, God? Nothing's wrong. The reaping time hasn't come yet. So we stay faithful. We continue to trust God in the midst of that. What do we need between the time of sowing and the time of reaping? We need gap insurance. Everyone know what gap insurance is? Guaranteed auto protection or asset protection. So you buy a car for 30000 you drive it off the lot, it's worth 22000 and you wreck it that day. The insurance company gives you 22000 but you owe 30000 on it. So gap insurance takes care of the difference between what your insurance will pay and what you owe. What's our spiritual gap insurance between my sowing and my reaping? before experiencing, what is it? It's faith. That's what faith 
is. Faith is continuing to trust God, continuing to trust his word, continuing to believe that God cannot be mocked. God has said, if you will walk this way, you will reap eternal life. You will reap the life, Zoe life that God has promised. You will. So faith says, I believe that, even though today I'm not experiencing that. It works the same way negatively. You can say the same thing. Hey, I'm gonna live for myself. I'm gonna live for my flesh. I'm gonna do my own thing. I don't care what God says. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do, whenever I wanna do it. And you may think, hey, everything's going great, so I'm just gonna keep on doing it. There is no consequence. But rest assured, God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. At some point, you're gonna reap. So what God is saying here, man, you have a choice. You can choose to keep in step with your flesh or you can make the better choice and choose to keep in step with the spirit and do those practical things that we'll talk about of how we do that. So here's the deal. In our spirit, as a believer, actually as a non-believer, if you're here, you've never given your life to Christ, you have this same battle between the spirit and the flesh because the spirit of God is trying to speak into your heart, give your life to me, and your flesh is saying no. So you have a battle even before you give your life to Christ. But those of us that have given our life to Christ, we have this battle inside of us between the spirit of God in us and this fleshly nature that wants to take place. And verse 17 says, they are in conflict. They are at war. There is a battle going on in each of us. And the decision is, will I let my flesh win my allegiance and take me captive? Or will I let the spirit win my allegiance and captivate me? That's the choice we're talking about. And what Paul is saying here is, man, keep in step with the Spirit because that's the direction that leads to life. Would you pray with me? Father, we do pray that your Spirit would speak to us this morning and in this series There's a lot of things going on, Father, that make us afraid to talk about the Spirit because maybe we see things and hear things that are just wild. But Father, the truth is, we cannot live the Christian life without your Spirit. You are our power source. You are the presence within us. So Father, teach us the truth of who you are in Spirit and truth. Father, I just lift each one of us up this morning that you would put in our hearts that desire to keep in step. We may not fully understand how to do that or what that means. or We may not know, but Father, put in us that desire that says, God, I wanna walk with you. I wanna submit to you. I wanna yield to your power. I wanna yield to your direction. I wanna yield to your timing, Father. I want to know you and to walk with you. Father, just place that desire in our hearts so from there we can enjoy fellowship with you, Saul. So continue to minister to us this morning. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.